0: Today, I brought my sermon prop. and Did y'all get that sermon prop? Come on, man. Dude, I've never got to say that before, all right? It's like, uh, but this is literally the prop for the sermon today, and it's a prop for those you don't know. All right, I'll explain that. But anyways, um, man, so the other day, I I got to take Milt out. and be praying for Milt Lamontia. His uh, Alzheimer's is kind of getting worse. They see him and Susie sit over here. He's a real tall dude that used to help Susie or help uh, uh, Destiny and Jack when they did kids. And by the way, if God's putting on your heart to, to get in that rotation and help out with the kids, um, man, we, we would love to have your help. Destiny's doing a great job putting all that together. And actually, the toddler and nurseries is, is back open again, so you can let people know that. We are downstairs again so if you've been hanging out not doing it because you didn't want to go outside where it was 150 degrees, then, you know, we're back downstairs. So anyways, Milt, uh, his Alzheimer's getting kind of tough right now, and Susie, she's a little short girl, um, and uh, Susie had to go to the doctor, so she's like, hey, can you take Milt out on the boat? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll do that, and so, man, I... I I went and I backed my trailer or backed my truck right up to the trailer. And uh, how many of y'all like back up real good? You know, I saw you pull in a little like uh, some kind of machinery there. It wasn't a backup, it's something else. But man, uh, do you like back your truck up and it lines up perfectly with the ball every time? Oh, dude, come on, man. But. You know, and, and you, before that, you probably had a little tennis ball, right? No, I'm just talking like, we're talking skill, man, backing it up, and, 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 and it's a good day when I back it up, and all I have to do is just lower it, man. It's like right there. I don't want to get out five times. low So... I I was taking milk, I backed my truck up, bam, perfect. Everything was awesome. I I lift the wheel up. I remembered to lift the wheel up so I didn't have to buy another one. One of those little, you know, you've done that before, right? I remembered to plug it in. I actually remembered to latch the trailer thing down. I've actually got the boat ramp before one time and I didn't have it latched down. Can you believe God, the guardian angels kept the boat on there? And uh, I I managed to get all the hooks. I I managed to do everything. I, I didn't even leave the lock on top and have it blow off and have to get a new one. All right, everything was perfect hooking the trailer up, man. How many of y'all have ever made one of those mistakes? One of them? Yeah, I did. And, and I'm on I'm, I'm hooking trailers up three, four times a week. You'd think I'd be better by now. But uh, anyway, so I got all that going. I take off. I didn't hit any curbs. I didn't hit any potholes. I didn't go under any low hanging trees. Everything was perfect all the way to the boat ramp. Get to the boat ramp. And then I pull in the boat ramp and all the slips were empty. I got to pick my favorite slip. I pull up and I, I, I undo the bow, you know, the bow uh, strap there a little bit, you know, let some out I took off the stern straps. I actually remembered to put all three plugs in. Man, how many of y'all ever left the plug out before? Come on, man. You ever done that? You only do it one or two times, all right. And you find out how good your bilge pump works. <laughs> I'll never forget a time I had a whole bunch of snowbirds in my boat, and and all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, your bilge pump's working pretty good right there." And I'm thinking, "Oh," <laughs> and I had to go get the trailer and get it back. I had to, yeah, dude. I had to get that. So everything's working perfect. I back up, and you know the right amount of bow, bow strap was out to kind of. I unhooked the bow strap. I jump. I push it off the trailer, and I belly onto the. You know, that's what its belly's for. It's a good pivot point. I get on top of the deck, and I just spin on the belly, and then I crawl backwards. And the boat had perfect momentum to just drift right over to the uh, dock. I didn't have to turn the motor on, man. Everything was going perfect. I get there, and I uh, I hook up the little fenders there, so you know, and I tie everything up. I'm like, yes. And my dog stayed in the truck. She didn't jump out. Out, like at the boat ramp, like she sometimes does, and everything was perfect. I went back, parked, got thing, everything parked, Milts in the truck, and I get going, man. I fire the motor up. She fires up right away. Awesome. And I'm like, yeah. So I start undoing all those, you know, straps and or all the lines, and and I put it in reverse, and I hear and it's fired. It Look, sounds good, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And I'm like, what? And uh so I give it a little more gas, and I, I hear the RPM's and I hear everything going, and it's not working. It's not going anywhere. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, everything has been perfect up to this point. And then upon further inspection, what do you think I was missing? The prop. Now, I'm just going to disappoint you and tell you I just lied about the prop, all right? But it's such a great illustration, no. But literally, I could have everything perfect in the boat, everything perfect with the motor, everything perfect going on, but without a prop, what's going to happen? You're not going anywhere. Now, I didn't lose the prop, all right? And this is my spare prop. I have a great prop. God got me at Goodwill for 10 bucks, Man, it's stainless steel. But the prop's important. Without a prop, you're not going anywhere. So, yeah, I did pull back. Milton and I had a great day. And it was all because of that prop. But if I did have the prop come off, if I didn't have the prop, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, as I was studying the last passage, the last part of the Gospel of James that we're ending today in James chapter 5, as I was finishing that up, God was just showing me that prayer and praise is the prop. That propels us through problems. I, I promise I didn't make up all those P words. I didn't do, I was even like telling Fernando in the water yesterday at the beach. I'm like, dude, this is so cheesy, man. But this is what God wants everybody to remember today. So everybody help me out real quick. All right. So you guys ready? Everybody say prayer. Put your hands together. Prayer and praise. This is our new worship aerobics today. Prayer and praise. Come on, man. Woo! Yeah, prayer and praise. All right. Prayer and praise. I'm not going to make y'all do propel me through problems or whatever, but all I want you to know, I was trying to think of all the ways I could do, but I just think that's our new hand signal for each other, man. When you see somebody getting weak, when you see somebody beaten down, when you see somebody who needs some energy, when you see somebody who's doing good, man, we can just go prayer and praise. How many of y'all know what that means now? What does that mean, Bob? Prayer and praise. And you're going to know prayer and praise. Everybody say prayer and praise. Propels us through problems. (laughs) Who thinks they can say that three times fast? Dustin, how about you, man? Prayer and praise propels us through problems. Come on, man. Can you say it one time fast? Dude, you're so, I've never seen you that shade of red. All right, good. All right. Hey, can you give us a Long Island accent with that? You know, prayer and praise propels us through problems. Okay, I didn't hear the accent, but that's good. You've been here a little too long. Yeah, prayer and praise, guys. So everybody help me out of this. Prayer and praise propels us through problems. Dude, that's what James is trying to tell the, the, the church at the end of the book of James. He starts out, if you were with us when we were out on the island in, in the quarantine, and we started the book of James, he was saying... Do count it all joy when you go through different kinds of trials, because what God's trying to do is he's trying to stretch your faith, he's trying to build your endurance, he's trying to make you more like him. And when we realize everything we go through in life is there to make us more like him, it causes a lot less anxiety, doesn't it? It's not there to destroy us, it's there to make us more beautiful. And that's how he starts the book, so he ends it saying, guys, there's going to be some heavy-duty stuff in your life. There's going, to be, there's going to be mountains. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be everything in between. But he says in the end, he said there's two things that are going to propel you through life. And what do you think those two things are again? Prayer and praise. That's how he ends this book. So we'll take a look at this real super quick and uh, as quick as I can look through it. Right, Terry? Right, uh, Terry. Super quick might be deceiving if you've never been here, Tatiana. So, super quick means different things to different people. So you'll learn what it means for me. All right. So, so guess what the title is? Prayer and praise propels us through problems. Oh my goodness! Can, can you and your all your girls just say it on the count of three, man? Oh, oh, she's like, oh, don't make us do that. Come on, man. One, two, three. Yeah. And I want you to believe that when it's all said and done today. So prayer and praise propels us through problems. All right. So first thing he says is pray and praise when you're suffering. Okay. Anybody here ever suffer? (laughs) Yeah. There's suffering going on all the time. And so he says when you're suffering, what are we supposed to do? Prayer and praise, man. Prayer and praise is going to get us through. It's going to take us through. And, and it's going to give us something to do afterwards in this. So look at the very first verse. And again, the book of James. Okay, so who was James? He was the half-brother of who? Jesus. So James, his whole life, he, he got to grow up with a perfect brother. Anybody grow up with perfect siblings? Right? Sophie, you grow up with perfect siblings? Like Salma, right? You know, no, I'm just, uh, or, or is it Jules? Are you the perfect one? Who's the perfect one out of all you guys? None of them. But who thinks they're perfect? Oh, why do you keep looking over at Salma? Anyways, but but literally, Jesus was never in trouble. It was never Jesus' fault when something broke, never Jesus' fault when something was out of place. He was perfect, brother. And James and his brothers, they kind of resented all of that. And then you know when Jesus came out and Jesus said, I'm the Messiah, they're like, Oh, you're a nut. You're crazy. You're not the Messiah, man. And then they started challenging him. When Jesus started going out and doing his Messiah stuff, they're like, yeah, if you're really the Messiah, it's Passover. Go there and prove it to everybody. And quit ruining our name. You're embarrassing us. It was bad enough to live with somebody perfect like that, but you claiming to be the Messiah, you know what? You're a nut. And that's literally what they thought. And that's what they thought. Okay, so you're getting crucified. You're getting beaten beyond recognition. You're on a cross Man, and everybody's like, yeah, there's James. That's a dude on the cross, his brother, man, yeah. Go ahead, save yourself if you can. And they made total fun of him and everything. And can you imagine being a brother already embarrassed by the family name because your brother's considered a lunatic? And that's what they considered Christ. And so, so there they are. Now he's dead. Now you've got to go make a living. You've got to find a way to get through all of this. And james the disciples none of them believed in the resurrection they didn't understand that's what was going on they thought jesus was going to come back as a messiah or whoever came back as a messiah was going to come back and kick roman tail and they jews were going to run the world and obviously he just died on a cross that's not going to happen and so he dies now he's buried but on the third day what happened what happened ryan he rose on the third day and at some point after that James, the brother of Jesus, saw him. Ryan, can you imagine being Jesus' brother the whole time? And you're like, you're not, you're crazy. And then trying to, yeah, well, that your brother on the cross and no, all, dude, that's not real. You know? And all of a sudden, you've denied him, you've denied him, you've denied him, and now you see him face to face that he's risen from the dead. What would your attitude be? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I am all in. (laughs) I am totally sold. I was so against this. And a, a living God has now proven to me the resurrection is real. I now don't maybe understand. But, dude, I remember everything he said. Do you understand James got to spend more time with Jesus than even the disciples? Dude, he was with them his whole life. And so he could remember everything. And now that he's risen, it's all coming back. And he became the pastor of the Jerusalem church. But at some point, Jerusalem church got really comfortable being the Jerusalem church, you know, and everything was all comfortable the way it was. And then God brought persecution and the Jerusalem church scattered all over the world. So James, as the pastor of the Jerusalem church, he now had people that were all over the world scattered. I don't even know if he had a congregation hardly anymore because the persecution was so bad. They were everywhere. And the theme of the book of James is like, look, guys. I hope I see you again in person, but if I don't, I want to make sure you're saved, and I want to know that I will see you in heaven. So he gives them all these tests on how to know that they're going to be saved. So he's writing to a persecuted people that are scattered. That's why he starts the book and says, look, man, he said, it counted all joy when you go through tough times, because you're going to go through them. You guys are going through them now. Understand what God's purpose is. And he ends the book by saying what's going to propel you through these problems is what? Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Man, I hope you never forget that. Because this is what the brother of Jesus... Do you think he knew what he was talking about as a brother of Jesus? Yeah. Susan, what do you think? you think? Do you think James had enough experience with Christ to know that... Yeah. A whole lifetime. I'm listening to him probably more than... You know, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm listening to all of them. It's all word of God. But dude, this guy, he's got the credibility. And he's saying this is, how, this is the power that's going to propel you through... The problems, prayer and praise. So he starts off and says, is anyone suffering? So understand the context of this last passage in the book of James. Understand the context of it, because many people take one little part and say, this is all about physical healing, which is part of it, but not even in context. This it goes way deeper than that. He's trying to teach them, no matter what phase of life you're in, prayer and praise is going to propel you through it. So he starts off and says, is any of you suffering? And this word, word suffering is kind of related to persecution. Uh, one commentator translated as, as trouble. Are you in trouble? Have any of you ever been in trouble that wasn't your fault? Santi, you ever been in trouble that wasn't your fault? Yeah, it just happens, right? There's persecution, there's trouble, there's something going on. So is any, anyone among you suffering? Trouble not caused by sin? How many of y'all know when you sin, there's consequences? Yeah, and with consequences, there's trouble, okay? And, and he said, it's not that kind of thing. It's not trouble. That's what this Greek word is. It's not trouble caused by sin or God's discipline because you keep sinning and you won't listen to the correction and you keep doing it. So God has a discipline. He said, it's not that kind of trouble. That's coming up next. He said, so man, you're, just, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing for the most part. You're walking with Christ, but there's trouble in your life. Anybody been there? It just happens, And he said, if that's you, what does he say? Let him what? Let him pray. Who better to show you God's perspective than God himself? And what's the difference between prayer and worry? Hey, we talked about this Wednesday night, right? What's the difference between prayer and worry? Who you're talking to. How many of y'all are awesome at worrying? And when you're worrying, no, you're a good worrier. When you're worrying, who are you talking to? yourself or your twin sister because that's might as well be yourself right i mean i'm just saying yeah when you're worrying we're talking to ourselves aren't we it's like a little teeny it starts out like a little cocoa puff man i don't even know i don't i don't even remember where'd that come from a little cocoa puff in your head bouncing around and then it turns into a, a a little like like marble, and then it turns into a golf ball, and then it turns into a softball, and then it's a bowling ball. And here you are walking through life, and Susan says, "Hey, Pastretti, what's wrong?" And I'm like, "Nothing, I'm fine." <laughs> Is that not what it's like when someone in your family's worrying? You ever seen somebody worrying, and they're like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Nothing's wrong," because we're so used to it at this point. What we're supposed to do, the difference between prayer and worry is what? Who you're talking to. And so worrying is talking to yourself. What's praying? Talking to God. Turn that conversation, your anxiety, your worries, your things that are making you upset, the things that's just eating you alive. Turn that into a conversation with God. And all of a sudden now it becomes what? What? But here's what we do. We've got this situation. Oh, God, I want to kill that person. I want to... And then, oh, dear God. We changed, and we don't talk to God about the very things bringing us anxiety, which Paul says we should. Whatever it is bringing you anxiety, whatever it is tearing you up, whatever it is that's causing you, bring that up to God. Even if you want to do the wrong thing, who better to talk you out of something stupid than God, Right? Talk to God. So he says, man, if you're suffering, if this is kind of you're doing the best you can, you're doing the right stuff. But things just keep going are messed up. You know, Ken, I don't know where you're at, but man, we found a church. I am the drummer, man. I'm married. Everything's going good. My wife starts her job. <laughs> I'm glad to be alive. But, dude, there's a lot that goes with having a car total. And it's not your fault. A lot of situations. So he says, "If you're, uh, would you say you're suffering right now? Would you say you're suffering right now, according to this? Yeah, the answer is yes. Okay, you don't have to be. Yeah, you're suffering right now. And, and, and he says, then what are you supposed to do? Pray. How often do you pr- do, are you supposed to pray? All the time. Does God ever say, JJ? Look, dude, you've already talked to me three times today. That's enough. Your wife can only handle you twice. All right. No, I'm just like no." How often can we talk to God? We can talk to him all the time. In fact, you know what? Sometimes this stuff comes in our life just so we will talk to him, I believe. Because God's favorite thing with you is to what? To talk to him, he wants the fellowship. Wasn't that the purpose in the garden before the fall? God likes hanging out with you. Quit judging him by yourself. (laughs) Do you get that? Sometimes we're like, yeah, oh no, here they come again. You know, it's like, God's like, here he comes again. Oh my goodness, it's Chris. Yes, I get to talk to Chris. God is stoked when he gets to talk to you. So he says, man, if you're suffering, you got things going on in life that are tough. You know, it's not sin related. It's not discipline. It's a job thing, dude. God's got a purpose in it. You don't know what that purpose is. He said, let him help me out. Pray. Ryan, that's talking to God instead of yourself, or your little bunch of buddies that all believe the same way you do about something. Pray. He said, anyone cheerful? Okay. He's still talking about suffering. Has you ever seen anybody cheerful in suffering? Have you ever wanted to smack somebody that was cheerful in suffering? (laughs) I'm just saying. Can you be cheerful in suffering? Yeah, you can be. If you see it from God's perspective. And that's what he's saying here. He said, so at first, you know, if you're suffering and you're having a hard time dealing with it, you're not seeing it from God's perspective. You don't understand it. You don't like it, but you're going to be faithful no matter what. Talk to him and let him work you through this. But if you are seeing it from his perspective and you're cheerful, what are you supposed to do? Actually, what does it say you're supposed to do? Praise. See. How are you supposed to do the praises? Sing. You're supposed to sing the praise. Sorry, you're a pregnant woman. All your, all your blood's being used for something else, other than thinking. But anyways, but you're supposed to sing praise, man. How many of y'all have ever just busted out in praise because God's so good? Even in tough times. And do you know that even if you are in that first category in the suffering, you're just barely praying you still have the desire and you're like god i'm trusting you god i'm following you in all of that if you start singing praises to him how many of you ever done that and what does it do to you when that happens yeah dude do you guys ever i I see on your posts i am so excited because your posts have changed would you say y'all's posts have changed on facebook and you know what i see more than anything from y'all's posts Rest y'all, I'm going to talk to you. No, I'm just messing with you, but on your post, I see you you guys posting. I know you got some stressful things, things going on, but man, I see praise songs. Man, it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, dude, that's a blast from the past. Oh, that's a new song. You guys, when you're constantly looking for godly music where God can lift you up, how many of y'all are moved by music? Yeah, yeah, and not everybody is moved the same way, but for some of y'all, music is it. Man, that's devil repellent, dude. Put on, you got a problem at night, you can't sleep, you're, you got junk going on, you're worried, you're thinking. You know, you cannot think of two things at once. Tatiana, give it a shot right now. Two things at once, you can't do it. You can switch real quick. But if you're thinking about the right thing, then you can't be thinking about the what? The wrong thing. And if you can fill your head with that music, the praise music, and start singing praises to God and lifting Him up, even for that moment dr bolt was it, do, jason it changes your heart doesn't it you just keep yourself saturated with the word of god whether it's through music or it's through prayer but he says man anyone among you suffering pray anyone cheerful in the midst of this suffering sing praises so again he initiates and shares with us what the propulsion is what the prop is that's going to get us through our problems what is the prop help me i only have one hand now so i need your two hands show me what we're supposed to do we're supposed to pray and praise yeah can you guys remember that how many of y'all think you can remember that that's and that's what we've got to do that will get us through and so he goes on and say let him sing praises and you know I shared last week an illustration that's really meant a lot to me, and I've been thinking about it a lot. How can you sing praises to God when you're in tough times? How can, you, how can you lift him up and say how great he is when their circumstances don't seem that great? Well, it's your perspective. You've got to see him as a surgeon as opposed to the attacker. And so if someone's coming at you, Bob, with a knife, we talked about it last week, and we talked about self-defense and murder, and they're two different things. But dude, if you believe someone's coming at you with a knife to hurt you, what are you going to do? You're going to fight them off with everything you have. And so often when God comes at us with a knife to cut away the sin and flesh in our lives, we fight them off like an attacker. But if you see that person coming at you with a knife as a surgeon, a skilled surgeon with your best interest in mind, that's going to fix you, how do you respond to that? You welcome them in and you can't wait for them to fix the situation in your life. And when God comes at you and it seems like a knife, he's not an attacker. He's a skilled surgeon. He's coming to cut away the flesh. He's coming at you to fix you and cut away the sin in your life. It's all for our good and it's for his glory. So anyone suffering, man, let him pray. Anyone cheerful, sing praises. That's in the midst of this trial, this situation that they were facing, okay? And so first thing is, he said, pray and praise when you're suffering. But next he says, pray and pray when you are sick, okay? And this is in the next couple of verses here. He said, is anyone sick? Now, we take that word sick, and you immediately think of a physical sickness, I will say you do a study of the word in the Greek, 18 times in the New Testament, it is talking about a physical sickness. 14 times, it is talking about an emotional or spiritual weakness. And in the context of where James is coming from, uh, there, how many of you would say sometimes that a, a spiritual or an emotional weakness is worse than a physical weakness? Yeah, we can be sick. Dude, hey, doc, does, does anybody ever get sick because of, of stress? Because of worrying, because of bad emotion, Yeah, our emotions make us physically sick. It all works together in this. So when he says, anybody's sick? What this is literally talking about is if you're physical, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually weak, defeated in a spiritual battle. How many of you have ever, as a spiritual believer, how many of you ever have gotten down so far? Be honest right here, because the rest who don't raise their hand are liars. Or they're not saved. But how many of you? Have ever felt so defeated, you just want to quit? Yeah. Aren't you glad you didn't? And if you're truly saved, guess what? You can't quit. You may quit for a bit and you'll say, this is so stupid. And, And you're coming back. If you're truly a believer, there is perseverance of the saints and it's not some doctrine. It's just what happens when you're saved. You have what kind of life? Eternal. And how long does eternal last for? So if it's eternal, Emily, can you lose it? Can you quit for good? No, you quit until you realize how stupid it is. And you're like, I can't believe I quit for that. And you come back to him. So, man, he said, that's what he's talking about. You know the pressures of this life, the pressures of the world. Man, sometimes they can beat you down so bad that you want to quit. And do you know that that's true with every, I don't know, any believer, any pastor, any person who's walked with the Lord for any length of time that has not been there. So don't let the devil make you think, oh, that was me. I, maybe I'm not saved. But, and you know what? Get saved and settle it once and for all. But the fact is, everybody gets there. I just saw your hands. Now, I beat you into raising your hands that way. But literally, I think everyone I've ever known has come to a point you know, you know, you you can't quit. I can't, but I just don't feel like going on. I, I don't. Even, I'm supposed to pray. You you look. Maybe you're here today, and you're looking at the first point. And you're like, pray. I, I don't even want to pray. I don't feel like praying. And you even get in sinful behaviors, which then causes more. And he says that's even part of it. So he starts off and says, "Anyone sick? Anyone sick? Anyone beaten down so bad that you just can't go on?" Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Okay, let's stop and start right here. The elders of the church. So the elders of the church, that would be the elders, bishop, pastors, overseers. Some church actually has elders. It's the spiritual leaders who are supposed to be spiritually strong. I'm an elder. So if I'm an elder and I'm in that condition, who am I supposed to call? Another elder. Or I'm supposed to call on a spiritually strong person. And what are they supposed to do over me? Pray! Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been beaten down and you met with somebody who was spiritually stronger than you at some point in time, and you prayed with you and lifted you up? Yeah! Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've been there. Santa, I remember one time in a parking lot, you prayed. Now, you're not an elder in the church, but you were spiritually stronger than I was beat down one time in a parking lot when we were going through the whole Leslie thing, and you prayed. And God used your faith to lift me up. And it's happened with numerous people in here that I have watched that happen. That's the gist of what he's saying here. It's not just talking about, oh, you got a physical, a physical ailment. You're physically messed up. Let's get everybody to prayer. If you have a James 5 healing, rub some oil on you, boom, and you're physically healed. Everybody's supposed to have that happen. No. That's not even experientially true. And you come with all explanations you want. It's not even biblically true. What about Jesus the night before he died? He was in the garden praying so hard. Blood was sweating out of his pores asking, God, change this if this is your will. This is my desire, but I want to do your will. Did God change it and take it from the cross? No. Apostle Paul, three times, man, take this away. You can go through all kinds of things. It is not always God's will for you to be physically healed. And that's not what this is even talking about. I think we should pray that that happens. Pray that it happens, but be sensitive enough to know when God's not doing that, because God can accomplish greater things by not healing somebody physically. And that's not the purpose of this. It's talking about a believer who is beaten down physically, emotionally, spiritually. It could be a physical disease. How many of y'all had a physical disease that's worn you out? You ever had the flu? Dude, you you don't feel like doing anything. You know? You're down so it says when you are spiritually low you should call on people who are spiritually what Nate spiritually high does that not make sense and you should be able to count on the elders in your church the pastors so you know what guess what if I'm having a bad day I'm gonna say hey get Zane to pray for you (laughs) you know Zane that bad you know get JJ to pray for you but it could do you have to be an elder to pray for somebody and lift them up spiritually no in fact that's what's so awesome about you guys i'm constantly hearing situations where you have you're seeing life from god's perspective and you're helping others see it that way you're lifting people up your faith is encouraging people whose faith is lower and that's good because at some point your faith is going to be low and need to be encouraged by someone whose faith is higher let them call on the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. And this word anointing, there's a few words for anointing in the New Testament. And this one literally means to rub. That's literally what it means. I was thinking when I was studying, two night, a couple of Wednesdays ago, Fernanda, I don't really know what happened. I walked in the room and all of a sudden she got nauseated. All right. I'm not sure it was me or whatever, but anyways, all of a sudden she sat down and she, and she grabbed her essential oils, right? How many of y'all have some essential oils? Dude, bacon grease is the most awesome one. No, I'm just <laughs> <sure>. but, <laughs> but she had she she through Bible study she was like doing this and then she was just kind of rubbing her, rubbing her, her her temples and then she'd go on. And actually, she said she was nauseous. And now I'm going to clear this up for everyone. If you say you're nauseous, that means you make other people sick. Okay, if you if you are nauseated that means you are you are feeling sick okay so if you ever say oh dude i'm nauseous it's like yeah you know (laughs) you do make people sick right (laughs) but so so i'm just clearing that semantic up for everyone so she was nauseated she wasn't making us sick but but i just remembered when i was studying this i was looking and and i just remember how everyone you would just kind of rub it on down i've seen people now i'm not that kind of pastor but you know i've seen people just kind of give people you know a a neck rub or what what it is is When it's talking about this anointing, it's not the word used for ceremonial anointing at all. It just literally means to rub. It means uh, in, in, in the oil, you can use it. I've been part of all kinds of James 5 healings, and I go with it if that's how the pastor feels. But it's not the oil that's going to fix somebody. Look what happens. You pray over him, anointing him. And by the way, this word anointing is the exact same word used where Mary was anointing Jesus' feet with perfume. What was was Mary, remember, she broke down, broke a a jar of alabaster, expensive perfume, rubbed it all over his feet. What was she doing? Yeah, she was just using her hair. She was showing, man, dude, I love you. I care for you. This is the best I can offer you right now. Do you think that made Jesus feel good? What does scripture say when she did that? Yeah, it, Jesus, it, it, Jesus recognized it and said, man, leave that woman alone. Judas, remember he was saying, oh, dude, we could have sold that and I could have pilfered it, you know, and Jesus was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look what she did for me. Hey, when somebody does something for you, when they show you that affection, that attention, they give you that time and they do something how does that make you feel does it make you feel worse or better? better much better yeah dude in fact you know that one of the uh one of the ordinances some people talk about is foot rubbing man maybe we should have a massage you know service or something right you know oh calgon take me away but but listen i'm not making light of this but literally What James is talking about is when you are just down, you need someone, Jason, to do what? Lift you up. And again, they're lifting you up by praying for you. Their faith that's stronger than yours right now is lifting you up. And this anointing, you know, and again, many say with this oil, again, this word for oil and the word for anointing, it's not talking about a ceremonial thing. It's not used like that. There's other words they use. Uh, And and I'm not even really going with the idea, you know, when when the uh, Good Samaritan, you remember the Good Samaritan, the story of that in Luke? You remember when he paid for the dude's uh, housing and, and, and paid for his medicine? It was oil. They used oil. That was what they had, primitive medicine. So is it wrong to use medicine? No. And, and that's not really what this is about. We get hung up on all this stuff, trying to have this James 5 healing. If you want to do it, go for it. And if it works, I'm telling you, would there not be a better time for you to have James 5 healings than right now in the middle of a pandemic? If you have that gift, by all means, use it. And I am not being facetious, sarcastic. If you see it this way, right now is your golden opportunity. There's sick people around. And it'd be a great time to do it. But the way I see the context of this is that when someone is whooped, when they are down spiritually, they need somebody spiritually higher than them at this point. And the roles switch. We're all in the same boat, different seats. They need somebody to help lift them up. Man, rub their feet. <laughs> hey, Jordan, you, you come home from a rough day of school, man. And I know you just started. You get home from a rough day. You've been on your feet all day. What's one of the best? I don't know. Maybe you don't like your feet rubbed. Do you like your feet rubbed? My wife doesn't. She's like, ooh, don't touch my feet, man. But. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, don't, don't be cashing in his man card. know All right? No, no, petties, are they're good. I do them at traffic lights. I'm just no, I'm, no, I'm messing with you. No, no, it is. I, seriously, I've had, I, I'll admit, yeah, because I've had people do it, and it does feel good. Yeah. Dude, the, the, the point James is trying to make is pray. Do things that make somebody feel good, but look what heals them. It says, let them call on the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the who? In the name of the Lord, who's the one that's actually going to heal somebody? Or in healing, it could be a physical healing, it could be a spiritual healing, it could be an emotional healing. But the fact is, as somebody who's down, that doesn't even want to pray, that doesn't even want to do anything spiritual, they get lifted back up. Look at the next part. And the prayer of what? From a, a person that's faith is stronger than yours. How many you again would admit you've had times where your faith is low? And yeah, and that's okay, but you can't stay there. The prayer of someone whose faith is stronger will save or rescue. That's what that word, that save is actually the best word. In the King James, I think it uses the word heal, but in the ESV, save is actually, it'll rescue somebody. It'll rescue the one who is sick, the weak, defeated believer. And who will raise him up? The Lord will raise him up. And, and that's talking about waking somebody up. Man, have you ever had somebody else's faith wake you up and build yours? That's what James is talking about. He starts off and saying, dude, if you're not doing anything wrong, you're, you know, and you're beat down, man, he said, he said, pray and praise. Try to see it from God's perspective. Now he's, he's talking about somebody who might have done something wrong, And because look what he says next. He said, and if you have committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Who are the sins forgiven by? By God. Yeah. And so, but but in order to have your sins forgiven, positionally, they're already forgiven. But if you sin and you've got some stuff hidden, what do you have to do to have it forgiven? Confess. Look at the next part right here. He said, therefore, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you... Confess your sins to God. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The word confess means I agree with God that he is right and I'm wrong. You know? It's kind of like, you know, like Tom and, and, and Lucinda. I had to say your name. I got it. Lucinda. And, uh, uh, you know, so, so Tom, Lucinda does something and you do something wrong. And then you confess to God, oh God, you know what? I am so sorry that I said that. But if she wouldn't have... Is that confession? No, confession is no ifs, ands, or buts, I'm wrong, and you're right, which means she's right. No, I'm just, <laughs> but it, 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 it's just no excuses. God, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been provoked. I shouldn't allow myself, God, with your grace, with your power, I was wrong, and with your grace and power, I could do the right thing. I agree with you, God. And so he says, you confess your sins, because let me ask you a question. If you are living in sin, are there some consequences sometimes? Yeah. Is there a physical consequence? Whatever God has to do to get His child's attention, hey Terry, what if your daughters are just totally misbehaved? They're going off the chain. They're taking off with those boys on the bikes, and you don't even know. Where... Are there going to be consequences? And the first ones might be talking. The second ones might be no, no. I'm not talking to the boys. Sorry. I'm talking to your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> but you take whatever consequences. You love your child. Hey, does God love you? Yeah. God loves you enough to not let you stay in the situation that you're in. So in this, he says, confess your sins to one another. Hey, so he's not talking about, okay, right now, we are going to have a confession service, okay? So Boston, will you get up and tell God, tell your brothers and sisters in Christ every sinful thing you have thought of, did, and... No, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about in this. He says, confess your sins one another. Who do we need to confess our sins to? First, we need to confess them to who? And then who do we need to confess them to? The person we wronged, the person that is involved, the people that it affected. That's as far as the circle needs to go. You take it farther than that circle, and dude, it's nobody's business. And nobody really wants to be involved in that. And that's, not, that's not what he's talking about. You take it as far as the offense has taken it. And we need to confess to you. Hey, how many of you have ever had somebody wrong you and then come and confess to you? Anybody ever and if they really mend it, if it was heartfelt, how'd that make you feel? Yeah. We're supposed to forgive them anyways, but it sure goes a long way towards restoration and restoring a relationship when there's heartfelt confession. That's why he says, you've wronged somebody, man. Confess it to them. He said, confess to one another and pray for one another that you may be, what? Healed. Whether it's a physical healing, an emotional healing, a spiritual healing, There's no limits on it. A relational healing. And he goes on and says, the prayer of a righteous person. And I I, I posted something last night about a righteous person. Righteous person is someone who knows where their righteousness comes from. It comes from Christ. But you know that your righteousness is from Christ. But your lifestyle looks a whole lot like that. We have positional righteousness, but we've also got that practical righteousness. You can't, you can't live in sin. That can't be your habit. That can't be your, the, the picture of your lifestyle if you have Christ's pract- positional righteousness on you. Now, again, you're not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. But the fact is, is your life becomes looking more and more and more like Christ. You can't just put on some hell insurance. So, well, I gave my life to Jesus, and that never changes your life. No. If you're in love with somebody, how many of y'all have ever seen somebody get a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend? And, and then all of a sudden they start dressing different. They start acting different. They start talking. Everything changes. Why, Ryan, why are you looking over there at Nate? No, I'm just saying. Yeah, things change, right? Because we do crazy things for people we're in love with, don't we? Tom, the hairdo. That's because your wife likes it, right? I'm just a little, you know? No, I'm just messing <laughs> with you, but. Yeah, see you got a little little beer going on right here. Yeah, that's cool. Does your wife like it or not? Oh, you need to find out, bro. All right, but I'm just but but what I'm saying is when we're in love, man, don't you want to just do whatever whatever they want you to do? That's it. And so so in here, all right, so he says, confess your sins one to another, pray for another, that you'll be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, somebody who's walking with Christ. If you're saved, you're righteous. But we just admitted there's going to be times where a righteous person is not going to be practically righteous. You're going to be so low you don't even want to do righteous things. You need somebody who is practicing righteousness more than you to have their faith encourage you and lift you up. The prayer of that person has great effective power as it is working and again the proofs and the pudding how many have you have ever been down and you have had somebody who is more spiritual than you at that point somebody whose faith is how about this not more spiritual but how about somebody whose faith is greater encourage you with their faith yeah that's what the gist is of this whole thing you don't need to isolate yourself Isn't that what the devil wants you to do he wants you to isolate yourself, go hang and hide, and, man, I can't do anything until I get right. And No, we gotta, we're in this together. We've got to help each other see life from God's perspective. So he says, man, he said prayer and praise. He said pray, we need to pray and we need to praise when we're sick. We need to pray and praise when we're suffering. Look at this next part real quick. Pray and praise when you are strong, okay? And he uses an example Now, the example that he's using is Elijah, and there's a situation where under King Ahab, Elijah was told by God to go pray that there'd be no rain. And the land was parched, and he went to King Ahab and said, there's not going to be any rain for three and a half. There's not going to be any rain. There was like three years, three and a half years, James tells us exactly. And there's not going to be any rain, so the land got parched and dried out, which represents symbolically a person who is down, and they are low, spiritually. Isn't that how you feel sometimes? When you don't want God, when you don't want to pray, you just feel parched. And what happened is, after a period of time, God said, now go pray for the rain. And he prayed and the rain came. And when the rain comes, what does that do? It quenches you. Or it it, 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 it now it, it now unparches you. Is unparch a word? No. <laughs> what, what am I trying to say? What It refreshes you. Yeah. And so that's the symbol, the illustration he's using. But... What he's doing is he's going to tell us about a dude named Elijah, who is just like us. And so check this out. Elijah was a man with a nature like who? Yeah. So you know what? You go read about Elijah's life. Was there times where he was so hungry, he didn't want to do anything? Yeah. Was there a time he was so depressed, he didn't want to do anything? Yeah. Were there times when he was just tired, weak, hungry, depressed? All those things. How many of y'all can identify with Elijah so far? There's times where, man, we're weak, we're hungry, we're tired, depressed. But then there's times when we're strong. How many of y'all know people, not you guys again, right? Not you guys. But how many of y'all know people that they only pray when something's wrong? (laughs) They only concern themselves with God when something's wrong? Again, that hopefully shouldn't be us. When should we be talking to God? Hey, Bruce Lee, when should we be talking to God, man? All the time. When you're up, when you're down, when you're in the middle, when you're whatever, when you're passing Two cars on on A1A with a big trailer. Man, Terry was impressed with that, bro. But anytime, especially then, you should be talking to God. (laughs) All right? Elijah was a man with like nature, weak, hungry, tired, depressed. And he prayed what? What's the word? Fervently. You know what that word fervently means? It means strong. He prayed strong. Because he was what? He was strong. Hey, so when you're strong, Tom, when you're strong, what should you be doing? Praying, <laughs> praying. And God, you think God will give you something to pray about? Yeah, thank, pray, thank him for the strength. Look for people who maybe aren't strong, who you can help at that time. So when you're, you don't just pray when you're weak, when you're suffering, when you're sick. You pray when you're strong. And, so, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. This was at a high point in his life. This is at a time when he was just right on with God. Ryan, you ever had those times, man, dude, you were just you and God. There's nothing in between me and God, yeah. Have you ever had those times where you're just strong? Have you ever had times other than that? Yeah. But when you're strong and it's just you and God, man, you look to see how God wants to use you. You keep praying. You're praying all the time. And sometimes that's a time we neglect it. When everything is going right, We neglect our time with God because, all right, God, thanks for getting me going. We got momentum now. Now we're good. I mean, it's not what Israel did in the book of Judges. They would be riding high because the judge just saved them. And all of a sudden, they start drifting away from God. And God said, hey, guys, hey, guys. And they went, no, we got it, God. We got it. We got it. We got it. Help! Because somebody came and conquered them. And now they're in slavery. And they're, God, please rescue us. Rescue us. And then God brings them back up. And they're like, whoo, glad that's over, and all of a sudden, they start drifting again, God's like, hey, hey, guys, you're drifting, and, 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 and they're like, yeah, we got it, we got it, who does that sound like, who does that sound like, all of us, exactly, I got it, God, I got it, you know, and then, help, and help, and then you, you. whoo, glad that's over, glad I'm not going to make that stupid mistake again, right, and then what do we do, uh, Boston, same cycle, man. So this was a time when Elijah was strong. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And guess what? When you're strong and God, where did he get the prayer to pray that it wouldn't rain? John, where did he get the prayer from? From God. Yeah, when you're strong, you're getting your prayers from God. God says, hey, I want you to pray and tell King Ahab, Ahab, it isn't going to rain. If you ain't walking in the spirit, don't go to the king and tell him it ain't going to rain. <laughs> when do you tell God? tell somebody powerful that it isn't going to rain? When God told you to tell them. And when you're strong, you're hearing from God. Right. And that's where he was at. He was strong and God used them. And then for three and a half years, we get that detail only from James and six or three years and six months. That's three and a half years. It did not rain on the earth. Why? Because where did that come from? God's will. First uh, John. Look at this later. First John five fourteen and 15. This is telling us that we need to pray according to God's will. You don't just get to call the shots and because you're fervent and you pray for whatever you want that it happens. That's not the way it works. Prayer is us getting in tune with God's will. 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, in the Eddie paraphrase, says this, that this is the confidence we have. That if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he gives us what we pray for. So the key, Nate, is praying according to what? God's will. If you're praying for stuff other than God's will and he says, no, no, no. And you keep praying for that stuff and he gives it to you. It's not him answering a prayer. It's judgment. And that happened to Israel numerous times. You know God doesn't want you to do something. You know he doesn't want that prayer. Man, don't pray that. But here it is, man. He's praying according to God's will. And that's crucial. Verse 18. Then he prayed again. First he prayed there's no rain. Well, now he's going to pray there is rain. Well, that sounds kind of uh, bipolar, right? Or schizophrenic. I mean, no rain, rain. No rain, rain. Well, how, what made him change his mind? Hey, Vicky, what made him change his mind? Just say God. That's always the answer. What made him change his mind? God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Vicky gets intense, and she's taking notes and different stuff, and she's, she's there. That's why I pick on her every once in a while, just to make sure on that. But listen, so how do you know whether to pray for rain or not pray for rain? Terry, how do you know? God. Hey, you always know what the answer is. How do you know whether to pray for rain or not pray for rain? Yeah. You got to know God's will. You got to know what God wants you to do. And when you're strong, aren't you in tune with that? When you're not strong, you need people that are strong helping you and you need to be in the word. You know, some things we always say, if you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And that'll at least get you back to where you got to be. And so he prayed again and heaven gave rain. There's that refreshing, restoring thing he's using it as an illustration to say, this is what happens when you as a strong believer go help somebody who is not a strong believer at the time. You help lift them up. And by the way, in that previous illustration, do you remember what it said? It said that if you are sick, you go to the elders and ask them to pray for you. Hey, whose responsibility is it to go and ask for prayer? When sick yeah sometimes you get mad at the elders well that person and you didn't pray for them and you didn't like you know sometimes somebody's not when you come and say dude i need help man as believers we should be there to help and i think that'll keep us busy So anyways, this guy, he prayed, heaven gave refreshing, restoring rain, and the earth bore its fruit. You want to read a cool story? Go read 1 Kings 17 through 19 in this, because this is where God blows up cows. Anybody read a story where God blows up cows? Man, it's so cool. I've got a few minutes. I'm going to tell you the story where God blew up cows. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because this is when Elijah was strong, dude. Elijah, man, he was He was strong. He was a prophet for God. He had been depressed, been down, like some of us are, but God, he was strong at this point, man, training other prophets and stuff. And all of a sudden, God said, hey, I want you to go to King Ahab. Go to King Ahab, and I want you to tell him it's not going to rain. And he went to King Ahab, and and they even got to know Elijah as, oh, he's the guy who's who's caused us to not have any rain. That was his name for three and a half years. At the end of three and a half years, right as he's kind of maybe getting weak and saying, God, how long is this going to go on? God said, now go tell him it's going to rain. But first, I want you to challenge all the prophets of Baal. I think there were like 450 against one. How you like those odds, Ryan? God says, go against 450 of the false prophets. you all by yourself. What do you think, man? You've got to be strong or weak. You have to be strong with your faith at that point. So he comes up and he's like, yeah, buddy. He's like, you know what? We're going to settle this once and for all because there's a bunch of Israelites that aren't following God and there's a bunch of heathens and there's 450 prophets of Baal and he's a garbage God. And you know what? We're going to settle this once and for all. You guys go get some cows. I'll go get some cows. There were bulls. And he said, let's bring them up on it. You guys make an altar. I'll make an altar. And so they make an altar. They put him up there. And he says, you guys go first and show us how strong Baal is. And he said, so here's what's going to happen. You put the wood down, put the cows. Call on Baal to throw down lightning and blow up these, go- these cows. So you guys remember the story? How many of y'all know this story, man? And so they're crying out. They're crying out to their God. And Elijah... Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. God told Elijah, say, hey, maybe your God's going to the bathroom and can't hear you right now. (laughs) Maybe your God's sleeping and can't hear you right now. He's chiding 450 of them because he knows God plus no one's a majority. If God before us, it doesn't matter who's against us. And he's like, so come on. And they're cutting themselves with glass and metal. Oh, they're cutting themselves. God, Baal, please come make yourself strong. Shall Blow up these cows. And nothing happened. He said, so you guys done? And they're like, yeah, I guess. So now in the middle of a drought, the middle of a drought, he gets his guys and says, hey, guys, go get some water. Water's precious. And they start covering the sacrifice with water. Hey, if you're going to start a barbecue, Tatiana, you're going to start a barbecue, do you put water on the charcoal before you light it? No! <laughs> no! That doesn't make sense. But that's the way God works. God wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed for it. You put water on the... You guys go out to the picnic, out to have a picnic, and you put charcoal, and Nate's dumping water on it, and you're like, what an idiot. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh! He's like, yeah, that's what, that was God. And, and so they start dumping this precious water all over the cows. And Elijah says, God, you're the real almighty God. God, will you throw down fire and show them who's really God? Hey, so let me ask you a question. If you're going to pray that, Chris, where do you get that prayer from? Yeah. You better not step out on your own. Chris is going to go to Publix later today, and he's going to... Get on, the, get on the thing with the microphone. Attention, attention on uh, ca- you know, cash register 3. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to drink some bleach and some rat poison and nothing's going to happen to me. You don't do that unless who tells you to do it. Otherwise, you're tempting him. That's like, that is just like Elijah. If it wouldn't have been God telling him, God, now I just wet your cows, blow them up. And God's like, yeah, dude, I didn't really tell you to wet my cows. <laughs> I didn't really, that wasn't really my plan. He might bail you out, but he did make it happen because, Ashley, where'd that plan come from? It came from God. And so can you imagine? He's wasting water. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. And there's these cows, and now they're soaking wet. The wood's wet. They're, the trench is full. And he's like, God, show them who's mighty. And what do you think God did? Ryan, what do you think God did? He sent down one heck of a lightning bolt, blew, blew it up, and the cows were on fire, man. And, um, and, and so all of a sudden, what did people now think about God? <laughs> They're getting over on his side. Yeah, and then the priest got killed. You can read the whole story later. <laughs> all, all, the, all the people who are now, oh, yeah, okay, God's God. Okay, now take, take, take these guys out. Read the story. It's cool. If God tells you to do something so supernatural that only he can get blamed, then by all means, jump all over it. But that's going to happen a lot of times when you're spiritually strong and you're hearing from them, you know? And, and so when you're strong, pray. You know, sometimes when we're strong, we have the tendency to just kind of take it easy and, and really kind of like, I got it, God, we're good. And then things go down, and then we're like, oh, God, please rescue me. Dude, he wants to use you mightily when you're strongly walking with him, when your faith is strong. That's what he did. So go read that story and see how close I came to the details on it. <laughs> Those are, that's just how I see it, dude. There's going to be one heck of a movie on God flicks, man, when I get to heaven. I can't wait to see it. So we pray and praise. Pray and praise when you're suffering. Pray and praise when you're sick in any kind of way, pray and praise when you're strong. But look at this, pray and praise when someone needs to be saved. Hey, can you save anybody? No, and if you saved them, who would have to keep them saved? Yeah, dude, you don't want me to save you, dude. I'd be letting you down the next day, I mean, next moment. It's God that's gotta save somebody. When you got saved, God put, gave you the desire and ability to put all your faith and trust in him. And he's the one who keeps you saved. And so prayer, Is is something necessary? We're like, oh, man, that person needs to be saved. Man, pray. Do you know that's what the early church did? They got on their face before God all night long praying for people. When's the last time you spent more than three minutes praying for somebody that they would be saved? Man, go to bed at night praying. Wake up praying for people's salvation because if they die without Christ, where will they spend eternity? Hell. Hell. And if God's put that desire in your heart for them, pray. That's the problem. If I were to take off out of the boat ramp without this, how far would I get? And that's a lot of our efforts, I think, in Christianity and religiosity right now is we've got it down and we're like, well, we tried this. I shared it this way. I did this. We've done this. We've done this. But we didn't do this. The power is where it's in prayer. In praise, it's God that's got to do it. Hey, does anybody know what James, the brother of Jesus, the dude who's writing this? You know what his nickname was? Everybody remember his nickname? I shared it with you before. Camel. Yep, old camel knees. <laughs> How would you like that to be your nickname, man? You wouldn't be wearing you wouldn't be wearing no hot pants then, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, old camel knees. His knees, dude, they look like camel knees. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, can you imagine what a camel knee look? I mean, it's just like we're bags and calluses. And why? How did he get camel knees? How did he get camel knees, bro? Because he was always on them. Yeah, he's always. Yeah, the answer he was gonna say, God. <laughs> <laughs> he got camel knees. He's all. Can you imagine if you were always on your knees and they were calloused and they were wrinkled? You were always on them. You prayed so much, your new nickname was Old Camel Knees. (laughs) That was James, the dude who's writing this. Is it no wonder he's ending with prayer in this passage? So he goes on to say, look at this, my brothers. He's talking about the church. He said, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. So you're saying, but he's talking about the church. You're talking about somebody backsliding, maybe. But the way he talks later, he's talking about church people who are lost. Do you know that in church there's a lot of people that are lost, that are going to hell? But going to church doesn't make you saved. What makes you saved is giving your life to Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. In fact, in uh, the four soils and in Matthew, Matthew 7, 21, 23, write down and look it up later. Jesus, in Matthew 7, is dividing two groups of people up. It's the church. And there's a bunch of people getting divided up in the line going to hell. And they're saying, whoa, whoa, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I heal in your name? Didn't I do all these things in your name? And Jesus said, yeah, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. You were doing that for some other reason than because you love me. You, you, you were doing it for the wrong reason. And he said, be gone, you workers of iniquity. And so there's many people who will think that church is their salvation and they get put in the wrong line. And it's one of the saddest verses in the world because when you hear the gospel, you, you know the gospel, there's no excuse. You just think you've got your own deal with him. And so in this, he, he says, man, there's going to be a bunch of people. Four soils. You remember Jesus said, hey, there was a farmer walking along. He's going out to the field. He's got a bag of seed. And as he's walking, some of the seed fell out onto the, onto the hard ground. Hey, Ryan, what happened to the seed that fell on the hard ground? Nothing. It, the birds came and stole it. And he said, that's like the devil, man. You hear the word. You came to church. You heard a neighbor, somebody. Man, you hear it, it. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It stole away. It doesn't mean anything to you. He said, but some of it fell in little cracks. And it started springing up. And he said, it started springing up, but as soon as the sun hit it and some persecution hit it, it got withered away. It's gone. And he said, that's what it's like for people who kind of like maybe get on fire for Christ. Maybe they think they've had a religious experience. Maybe they think they've given their life to Christ and they go for a little bit. They they follow him for a little bit. But as soon as there's persecution, they quit. If you're a believer, you can't quit but they quit and they quit permanently. And he said, there's no fruit. Believers produce fruit. There's no fruit in that. And then he said, some, on the way out to the field, what happened is a bunch of seed fell among the weeds. And so it started to grow. But before it could produce fruit, just like the one from persecution, what happens is it gets crowded out. All of a sudden, there's way more important things to do. There's, it's crowded. It's got a crowded life. Too many things going on. And so it never produces fruit. Because it never gets isolated for its purpose. But then he said the farmer finally gets out to the field. The sower then starts sowing it into the good soil. And he said then it grows. Some 10, some 100. Some... It grows at different paces. It grows with different. But the thing that you... that's the similar thing with all of the seed that lands in the good field is it all grows fruit. That's the only saved seed. He said, And he, dis... he explained it to his disciples that way. He said, those are saved people. He said, there's a lot of people that are going to follow me for a lot of different reasons. There's going to be a lot of people that, that for a moment, but persecution causes them to quit. There's a lot of people, but all of a sudden their life will be too crowded and they quit. He said, but the people who continue like that soil in the, like the, seed in the good soil that grow fruit, that's salvation. So he says, my brothers, just because you're in a church doesn't mean you're saved. He said, my brothers, the church, if any among you wander from the truth, if you're one of the three soils or one of the seeds in those three soils, man. He said, man, he said, we need to go after those people. Someone bring them back. But who is it that can change somebody's heart? Who's the only one to change somebody's heart, Ryan? God. Yeah. God's the only one. And, And so how do we talk to God? Through prayer. We pray. Man, do you, any great awakening that there has been where massive people have gotten saved, any of the great awakenings, they would have these revivals where people would pray for days and days that there would be fruit. We just put a good presentation together and say, well, this ought to do it. It takes the power of God. Prayer always been an integral part of any kind of revival. And I think we're lacking it in this instant world because we pray for three minutes and think we prayed three hours when we should be praying for three days. That's where the power comes from. So he said, look, man, my brothers, anybody among you wander from the truth and someone brings him back, look at this. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, that's the name scripture uses for lost people. Let him know that whoever brings back this sinner From his wandering will save his eternal soul and from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Bob, you recently got saved, right? Recently. Do you wish you'd have maybe gotten saved earlier? If you had gotten saved earlier, would it have covered a multitude of sins? If you would have had this lifestyle now, would would it have saved you from some other sins? Yeah, I, I, it, w- it would have for me. <laughs> I didn't get saved till I was 26, and I, I, I have a, I wish I would have gotten saved way sooner. But what he's saying is that the sooner someone gets saved, the sooner they can be saved from a multitude of sins that they can only commit in the flesh. You can save someone for a lifetime of sins, and then and and then they have eternal life. And it's not us saving them, but. How many of y'all would say a, a, a life following God is better than a life not on this planet? Yeah, that's what he's saying. You're rescuing somebody from living in the flesh, having more issues, and they're going to have eternal life. So check this out as we close. Help me out. You guys remember this. All right. So what do we got? Prayer and praise. We got it. Prayer and praise. Hey, if we have waves on uh, waves on Wednesday, right, bro? I'm going to paddle out. I oh, know. No, no, dude. No, not that, man. It's this. Let's pray. Pray for waves, all right? And uh, yeah, you do this, dude. It's like, good luck. It'll be like magic seaweed six days out. There's always waves, right? No, but anyways. But yeah, I see you out there. I'm going to go like this, man. I'm going to do this. And don't be too ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Do that back, man. Do that back to me, all right? You promise? All right. And then everybody, what are you guys doing? And we'll get a chance to tell them, right? But Okay, so prayer and praise propels us through our problems. If you don't have prayer and praise, man, you're like a motorboat without a prop, man. That's where your power comes from. Not you working it out, not you getting so smart, not doing more Bible study and learning more things. It comes from the power that comes from power and praise. It propels us through our problems. And in summary again, Pray and praise when you're suffering. Pray and praise when you are sick. Pray and praise when you are strong. And pray and praise when someone needs to be saved. How many of y'all got something to pray about? (laughs) If none of those things work, I can't help you, man. I'm sorry, but (laughs) God's kind of loaded me up with some prayer and praise right here. So let's pray. We're going to do it a little bit different this time. Um, if you are, if you're suffering, you don't have to tell anybody, you don't have to say anything to anybody. But right now, if you've got, you think you're doing things as right as possible, but you're going through some tough times, would you just talk to God about that? Would you pray and say, God, I don't always see it this, the right way, but God, I'm supposed to pray to you about it. And I want to pray more later, but I'm praying to you right now. And God, I know that all these things come in my life by your design to make me more like you. So God, will you change my heart and give me the ability to praise you in these tough times? Maybe your life's not tough right now, but maybe you know somebody whose life is really tough right now. Maybe when this came up about this suffering, you were thinking about this person. Would you right now just pray for them, that God would do that for them? That they would see it from God's perspective and they could come to the point where they could praise Him. Like James said at the beginning, count it all joy when you have these things come in your life. Would you pray for them? Maybe you came today and it was kind of a last-ditch effort. You're like, I didn't want to come. Man, I'm, I'm kind of down spiritually. I said, God, I know I needed to hear this. and. But I don't even really want to do anything about it. So right now I'm just letting you know that's the case with me. My faith is pretty weak, God. And if you don't boost it up, I don't know how it's going to be boosted up. Again, if you come up to me after the service and tell me that's where you're at, I'd love to pray for you. I got some other people here they are pretty spiritually strong at this point right now. And they would probably like to pray for you too it's not a bad thing because honestly it might be me asking you for prayer next week or maybe you know somebody who's that way maybe you know somebody has kind of fallen out someone who's like just really down you've tried talking to them you've tried reaching out but you know it's God that's got to touch them would you pray for them for that to happen right now Maybe you're strong right now. Say, God, I feel like my faith is strong. God, will you use me to do something so supernatural that only you can get blamed for? God, will you use me during this time of strength? You've made me strong because you want to be represented. God, take me to do something that I can't do in the flesh, something that I have to use this strong faith to be able to do. Use me like Elijah. Show me what cows you want blown up, God. <laughs> Let me be a part of that. That'd be pretty cool. Or maybe you know somebody that doesn't know Christ and you really just know they need to. Maybe they're seeking, maybe they're not. Maybe God, just put them on your heart right now. Say, God, will you save them? God, there's nothing a human can do Anything we can talk anyone into, the devil can talk them out of. God, salvation is of you. The same way that you saved me, God, will you save them? And again, this time of prayer isn't just for now. These are prayers that can be continued. This is how James ends this book for these persecuted believers. He said, this is how you can count it all joy through prayer and praise Father I pray that you would speak to each person here today you would, you would touch them with each one of these points give them opportunities to use each one of these points in their life I pray Father that the church would become a praying church again I pray Father we would spend more than three minutes more than three seconds more than three hours more than three days I pray Father that we would be consumed in talking to you we never used to talk to you about things we never used to talk to you about that we would just stay in constant fellowship we have some opportunities that you brought up for us to pray for but we can pray for anything so father i pray that you would teach us how to get the most out of that motor called salvation by having the right prop Telling us through our problems, and that being prayer and praise. I pray if there's someone that's never truly given their life to you, that that be the prayer they pray right now, to just surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you, and through faith, watch you work in their lives. And Father, I pray for these things in Jesus' name.